Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Melissa Davies. How are you, Melissa? I'm well, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. We're delighted that you could make time to be here today. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you and what you do? Oh, well, I'm the president of Wise Ways Consulting, and we focus on strategic development, organizational development, facilitation, um, a lot of training, leadership, human capital development, and then executive coaching. So for the last, I spent, oh gosh, almost 30, I hate to say this, 32 years working in the education and training field, um, But and I've trained and worked all around the world. I've been very blessed in my life to do some training in lots of interesting places, but the last 13 years, I've been in the Washington, D.C. area, traveling around uh, internationally, as well as working with the, a lot of the Department of Defense organizations in, in the federal government here in the U.S., so training leadership and then teams. Fantastic. You have a wonderful background. We're going to delve into that as well, because I'm sure that had a role in determining how you wrote your books. But tell us about your book. Why did you decide to write a book? Well, the interesting thing is I I was talking to a friend and a colleague, but now a friend of mine who was in a senior leadership role in an organization in the federal government here. And I I said to her one day, if I could just stop, I could just just teach people how not to act like an asshole at work, life would be so much simpler. And I said, I just need to write a book about that. And she laughed at me and I said, but I can't call it that, can I? She goes, you sure can. I'll need 20 copies. (laughs) <laughs> and so that's really how the idea became, because I would listen to the things that people would tell me that they had done or stories that their supervisors or their bosses had done. And I would just wring my hands and shake my head thinking, people didn't really do that, did they? And yet the stories kept coming. And it was very clear that that is what people do. So that was how the, the story was birthed for the book. Well, thank you for reaffirming my faith in being a solo entrepreneur for the last 25 years and not working for a corporation. I appreciate that <laughs> that, that endorsement and that confirmation. Um, so you must have had a lot of stories to choose from. How did you decide how to organize your material? So I did a couple of things. One is I worked with an editor early on, and it's so funny. She, she's worked with me for years, and I said to her, I just want you to ghostwrite this. And she said, no. I'm not going to do that, which I was a bit taken aback by. But she said, no, it has to be in your voice. And you're the one that knows all the stories. And she said, I will help you put together the outline. And so that's what we did. We worked in tandem back and forth with the outline. And I had a variety of stories that I knew would fit under certain themes. And so we created this, you know, she and I put the outline together. Then I wrote the stories for each of the part because it is a business parable. I wanted to write a story because in my experience, people have an easier time connecting with the stories. They can see themselves. They can see their colleagues. They can see other people in them. And for an educational learning perspective, if they can feel the feelings of being in that situation, it's easier to make a connection. I think from from my experience, when we see things in a textbook format, it's not always so easy to put that 
you know, to, f- to see yourself in that place and to make that connection. And so I wanted the idea of the business parable. So we created the outline. I wrote the stories and then she and I would go back and forth editing on it. Fantastic. That That's fascinating. Uh, the whole idea of the parables are, are so, so useful today. The one minute manager, the five dysfunctions of a team, the, the go giver and on and on. It really seems like that is one of the best ways to get your business message across. How did you decide on creating a story that would incorporate all of your ideas? I wanted to show growth. So I wanted to show the main character, Louise Jackson, I wanted to show her growth over a period of time. Um, And so hence going to the idea of the mentor mentee relationship. So the story chronicles her in the situation as she goes along because she doesn't seem to understand that while she's technically um, technically proficient behaviorally she's for lack of a better term a hot mess you know she's the kind of person that leaves that trail of destruction behind her and i wanted people to understand what the impact that does for an organization financially as well as morale so the the story would show would chronicle her the longevity of her growth uh, and then at the end of it, we wrote, I wrote it differently so that there are these three doors. There are three possible endings so that you can envision what happens with each of those. And also from a training perspective, part of the reason I wrote the book was to be able to use it in my training classes. So it becomes, the, the three doors become the opportunity for people to do um, a case study at the end or write that final piece in small groups of what would happen after. It also leaves it open to write additional books. <laughs> essentially I wanted it to see the journey, right? I wanted it to, because the, the books you talked about, the go-giver loved it. Five dysfunctions of a team loved it. Uh, and so for me being able to read those, it was like, well, that's what I want to fashion it off. So I wanted people, the story, be able to people to connect with her to to feel some of the good feelings with her as she's making growth, but also go, ah, oh, people like that. You know, so I wanted people to be able to connect with her, but also have some empathy for her along her journey mm-hmm. uh, and then and see her growth. Did you use a story arc format or any other kind of uh, traditional novel approach to writing the book? No, I mind mapped first. Mm-hmm. I took some big papers and, you know, some big sheets of um, butcher, butcher paper and just mind mapped for a while. And then I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of post-it notes. So I would have stories in my mind that I wanted to use as themes uh, or smaller parts of it. And so I would be kind of, you know, I would move those around on the mind map and see it visually because I am a visual learner. I need to see things in front of me as opposed to all the auditory, all the talking all the time. Mm-hmm. So being able with the, you know, the post notes to be able to move and to cut and paste and pluck things in different spots um, for me was easier than, because then it was, it was grouped thematically. And so maybe that theme didn't fit in the right order. So we could plunk that in a different place. So for me, it was definitely an iterative, iterative process. Um, and it was an ongoing process that I had with my editor. Cool. How long did it take you to write the book? Well, it took me four years to talk about it. <laughs> and nine months to actually do it. I'm sorry. How long to actually do it? About nine months. Nine months. Okay. And it could have been shorter, but at the same time, you're running a business mm-hmm. and being in front of clients. Definitely. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I, it was about nine months from the beginning when she and I really started talking about it. Um, and then it coming to fruition and being in a, in a, in a bound part in front of me. Yeah, I, I ghost wrote a book or co-wrote a book with a doctor about Medicare and we used a, a novel kind of format as well because we figured like telling people about Medicare is going to be god-awful boring plus they can find a lot of the basic information online which is also written in god-awful boring language. So how can we make this whole idea come alive? So we created a story with characters and a rising arc and drama and we called it a thriller because you know there are chase scenes and dramas and really bad guys at the insurance companies are out to take advantage of widows and orphans and you know it was it was a lot of fun so i can imagine that that writing this book was a, a labor of love for you as well it was a labor of love that's true and you you know, have this sense of you know we sent it out to all the beta testers and you you, know, you make yourself a little vulnerable at that time for people to come back and go hated it or loved it or whatever um, and, you know, we, we sent it out with a series of questions to the beta testers. You know, could you connect with the character? Did you feel some level of empathy? Um, what, what were your initial responses to her behavior? Because some folks will say to me when they've read it in class, will say, I can't believe anybody was that bad. Like, you got to know people told me these stories. Mm-hmm. I didn't make any of them up. These were, you know, I, was, I jokingly say the names were, cha- were changed to, pr- to uh, pr- protect the guilty. Because these are all authentic stories that came from folks. I did have one of my beta testers say, you can't call it that. Oh, yes. With, with the, the assholes? Yeah. But the interesting yeah. thing, when I called, when I wrote it, that if when you see the cover of the book, there's a big bleep stamp over the word asshole. And the word never appears in the book because we don't need to use it. We all know what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, I remember a long time ago, I've done PR for a lot of people who've written books. So and my PR leads business is now starting its 20th year. And I remember maybe 10, 15 years ago, a woman wrote to me and said, I have a new book out and it's called If, we- if Women Ran the World, Shit Would Happen. And they didn't have the I, they had the, uh, the an ampersand there instead. And I said, you can't call it that. There's no way a good housekeeping or ladies home journal is going to put that in their, in their magazine. They, they, they just won't. And here we are 15 years later and it, just about every other best-selling book has the F word or the S word or any other kind of well, word Maybe there in was there. the no asshole rule. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so it's interesting. I was on TV uh, living in the Northern Virginia, DC area. I was on Fox five mm-hmm. in their morning show. And I was also on um, ABC in their morning show. But one of them took the cover and they made the they just they did a little um, artwork and, and dragged the bleep bleep marker over so you could almost just make out the corners of the other word mm-hmm. and then they had it on the screen yeah. and that was how they dealt with it being on morning TV and they said we hope you don't mind I'm like I don't care yeah it's fine yeah um, yeah I was wondering how they would do that how how it would appear on TV so that that's pretty clever on their part yeah I know is your book on Amazon I didn't see it on Amazon. I didn't put it on Amazon. Okay, great. Tell us why. Because of the amount of cost that they take mm-hmm. from it. And and to be the other part of it, I'm going to share my, my, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here and share a little bit of my ignorance. I tried to wade through the understanding of, it goes back to your, your Social Security, Medicare one. You know, I tried to wade through how to get things sorted out there. And at one point I just went, I can't deal with this right now. And Never went back to it. 
Mm-hmm. So honestly, I likely should have done that. Um, but it's set up on my company website. It's set up on the other website. It's an easy download. It's an easy shipping, uh, all of that. I mean, I probably, sh- if, if I were being completely honest, I probably should go back and do that. And maybe that's, maybe that's my January project. Um, but yeah, well, I never really, and I talked to a couple of friends of mine who had written books and they didn't feel that they got a lot of uh, value out of being on Amazon. It's one way to be found, but you get to keep 100% of your sales this way, so more power to you. Um, So let's talk about how you use the book in your marketing. How do you use the book to get more business? So I use it as part of my training classes. I had always intended to do that. So part of my leadership development, we read the book in the class, whether I'm training the class or not. Um, I do tend to take a copy of the book when I meet with prospective clients and, and give them a copy. Um, and we use the idea that as an, as a published author, obviously that in, in today's age, that gives you another sense of credibility because I also wanted to make sure I've seen some of the, I've seen some of the books that my colleagues have said they've written and they're really like a 30 page PDF file. That's got a whole lot of white space and when I look at that and go, that's not really, you can say you've written 15 of those, but I don't know that that's really giving you the credibility as opposed to being able to take a prospective client. Here's a bound book that was published and, and here you go. There's a, there's a difference level. Of, I think there's a different level of credibility mm-hmm. um, than just, you know, sending out the little files and maybe I'm being snobby, um, at the same time, I don't think so. Uh, I, I agree completely. Uh, a book is is a book. In fact, there are a lot of people who have ebooks on Amazon that are they're not even thirty pages. They're not even as good as a PDF. They're they're really garbage. Um, and yeah. one of the good things about Amazon is that it democratized printing and publishing so that anyone could publish a book. Whereas before, there were gatekeepers who kept a lot of the garbage out. Now there are no gatekeepers. You can publish anything on Amazon, and that's good and it's bad because uh, the publishers also kept out a lot of good books because they didn't have the marketing support behind it. Now if you're a consultant, a coach, a speaker, a thought leader who has a small platform, you can't get a publishing contract, but you very well could have something good to say. And now you can publish it on Amazon and have your own imprint and all that good stuff. And most people really don't know um, a self-published book from a from a traditional book. Uh, I spoke to one person the other day, in fact, Todd from, from our group. He teaches at NYU. It's important for him to have a book that was published by a recognizable publisher. Um, but for you and me, I mean, our clients don't know who published John Grisham's books or Danielle Steele's books, but they sell millions of copies. (laughs) They must be doing something right. I do want to make sure that I had an ISBN number on it. Like I had, there is some validity to it as well. Cause some of those little, you know, the little 30 page PDFs, they don't have that. They don't have, Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no depth to the quality of what's there, which is sad because there may be some great bits of information in it, but many folks tend to look at it and go, "Mm, whatever. Yeah. Keep it moving. yeah, so let's let's go back to your idea about using the books as a training tool. Um, did you was that part of the plan at the outset that you needed something or you wanted something that would tie in? And so do do the corporations buy like fifty copies or a hundred copies for everyone in the audience? Is that part of uh, your mark your your deal? 
Yes. So it's part of the course materials. So you'll get a course a manual or a binder and you get a copy of that. And so I write that cost up into what I charge you for the manual because it's just part of, it's part of the participant materials. Perfect. It's great. So how did you structure the book? Oh, first of all, how long is the book? How many words? Do you remember? It's a hundred and some odd pages. It's a hundred and... Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this specific question. It's 120 pages. Okay. So it's about 20,000 words? There are activities scattered around it as well. Okay. So probably less than 20,000 words to tell a good story, make your point, and give people a lot of good information for discussion. Cool. You know, I love the idea of the multiple choice endings. Of the, <laughs> uh, I think there's a play on Broadway. Uh, Dickens wrote a play, I think, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. And he died before he finished it. So whenever the play is produced, the audience can shout out, who do you want to be the killer? <laughs> and the actors just go into, uh, okay, the cook did it or the butler did it. And they have different endings That's and they lovely. play it out. So it'd be well, kind of cool. Fun. Yeah. So how, t tell us your thought process about how you figured out the three different endings that could go into your book and why you did it that way. So I worked with my editor and I talked about it. And she said to me, let me give you a crazy idea. And I thought, well, well, all right, let's do it. So we talked about it and we decided to go with the three endings. So again, it allows you to do the ending at the end of the class to a group to be able to, okay, you finished, you took this ending. So you went through this door, write what happens after and talk about why that happened. You do the same thing. So it allowed me to write an end, possible endings of her success, possible endings of her not success. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, they're all, they're, they're all plausible. So it was this idea of hanging in the balance. Is she going to make it or is she going to carry on or are they going to can her? Um, and so those were all the different, and that was the reason for doing it so that it wasn't this, everything's perfect. And she's, you know, we have, we, we have this funny idea with training where we're like, let me send you off the training. You're broken. Somebody can fix you. And, and I, and I want the idea that it, Leadership and management isn't about that. We're, nobody is broken to be sent to class to be fixed. We're hoping that people will pick up some skills and be in a supportive environment where they can learn and grow. So that was the idea with the story, you know, being able to see the fact that this is a work in progress. Yes, she's making progress, but is she completely fixed? Well, see, it hangs in the balance. There are possibilities of her not being successful. Very true. That's that's it, it adds an element of surprise to it. I remember reading Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and there was someone who you thought was going to get fired right away. I mean, she her head is on the chopping block. She's not going along with this program. She's not going to make it through this weekend, and she does. She eventually does get fired, though. Uh, yeah, but, I remember the But book. she took us up that arc. It's like, oh, she's going to get canned. Man, she's a rotten person. She's not buying into this at all. And we're all cheering for her to be canned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Masterful <laughs> book. <laughs> Melissa, this has been a wonderful conversation. Tell us who your ideal client is and how they can get in touch with you. So my ideal client is one that is looking to provide an environment for their team to learn and to grow. Um, I always say to people when you ask, you know, we, we talk about what is your vision, what's your purpose? And I believe that in life, I'm a catalyst. I'm here to help others to uncover and to work the word, the greatness that is within them, because we all have greatness. And so my ideal client is a team or an organization where they are trying to 
provide a supportive environment for maybe at the leadership level, the managerial level, or the new managers and supervisors mentoring to provide an environment where we can uncover the greatness that is within their team at the same time helping to accomplish the organizational mission. Because at the end of the day, that's why we're here. Right. And how can people get in touch with you? What is your website address? Uh, www.wisewaysconsulting.com. You can also catch me at info at wisewaysconsulting.com. You'll find me on LinkedIn as well uh, and Instagram, all those Melissa Wiseways, all that kind of good stuff. Very cool. Thank you very much for being with us today, Melissa. Thanks, Dan. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.